Gascoigne going to have a crack? He is, you know. Oh, I say! Welcome back to another edition of the Internet's Most Dangerous Tottenham Hotspur Podcast. It's Wheeler Dealer Radio. I'm your host, Greg, and the whole gang is back after several weeks where we couldn't get them all together. They're all here. I've got with me, coming live from Atlanta, Georgia, it is Ben Daniels. Ben, happy pot, happy uh, belated Thanksgiving. How, how was your uh, family gathering? It was nice. Did, did you gather around the fire, cut a turkey, and watch us lose tomorrow? Is that, is that how you spent uh, your holiday? No, I spent the holiday with my brother's new baby Aww. and uh, my uncle for a day. Did you compare that baby to a dog? Like you compare my a baby dog? to a dog all the time? That's me. I do that. Oh, okay. A cat. A cat. I'm sorry, Ben. Yeah, I mean, constantly. Every time my brother shows me a picture of him like snuggling his child, I send him one right back of me snuggling my cat. My cat being fairly aloof and not wanting to come near me. You know, things fair, like that. Fair enough, fair enough. See, not only do you think that's similar, but you just skipped like several years in the relationship just to get to the point of the whole thing. So, you know, kudos to that. Uh, next up, we have to, um, from the slopes of South Florida, it is Brian Ashlock. Brian, did you have a restful Thanksgiving? Uh, yes, because where I spent my Thanksgiving, there was no Paramount Plus. So I did <laughs> not have to endure the spurs Murrah match. And as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't exist, much in the way that the Burnley match doesn't exist. Boy, that's going to make for some good podcasting. <laughs> so, uh, we have a game to talk about, unfortunately, and that is the Murrah match. Before we get to that, please follow our Twitter account, at WDR Podcast. That's WDR, as in Wheeler Dealer Radio. And give us a five-star review on iTunes, because it tis the season for five-star reviews. Uh, yeah, if you leave us a review about Ben's cats, we'll read it out on the air, so... Uh, why don't you do that? Anyway, I'm boys, definitely leaving a review. We have several. We have several uh, matches to talk about or not talk about. In this case, uh, we could just talk about Wheel of Time, which is what we were doing before the uh, before the podcast. Uh, ben, Ben, you, do you want to talk about what our Patreon uh, Wheel of Time show is going to be called? Wheel of Time Radio. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It's really <laughs> quite a mediocre show. I can't believe we talked about it for as long as we did. Uh, but hey, we've talked about Tottenham Hotspur for about three years now, which is probably about or less entertaining than those four episodes of that show. Uh, but yeah, so Burnley got canceled, so we had uh, some less interesting football to talk about. Before we get into the Murray game, which is going to be something, uh, I, you guys have not been around since the Leeds match, so I am just... Ben, I want to start with you. What is your... Now that we're a little more into uh, Conte football, like, do you have any broader thoughts about what we're seeing out of this team um you know i mean the leads match you could, you could use the leads match in particular as a sort of launching pad for this conversation but you you have not been around since that match so i'm just curious what your thoughts are now that we're not just playing five days after we got here <laughs> yeah thank you for that lovely lovely preamble um i mean the leads match i think you know i don't want to belabor it but the difference between the first half and the second half were stark. Um, 
I think my biggest positive takeaway is the fact that I am not used to seeing us put together a second half like that after a first half like that. You told um, me the day of you were unable to enjoy the second half because you had so little faith in our ability to turn it around, which if there's anything that sums up the last couple of years of Tottenham, I think I don't think it could be better summed up than that. Yeah, I mean, it's just like until we scored, it was just like, I know how this story ends, but like it was nice to be reminded like it doesn't have to end that way. Um you know, and then the Murrah match happened, and like it happened exactly that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think the big thing is like there are clearly ideas here. He is clearly capable of getting something out of his team that's more than what we've seen, but it's going to take time. And frankly, the Burnley match being called off and us having, you know, a full week between the Murrah game and our next match um, this Thursday against Brentford is very good. Like, there's a lot of time that Conte will have with the players that he hasn't had, you know, with the, with the international break and, you know, the schedule we've had so far. So I'm still excited for things to come. Still excited. You mean newly excited for things to come. I, I, the, the loss in the European conference league has not completely quashed all excitement. I felt Ryan, I, I am dying to know your thoughts on um, what Conte is doing with the team's condiments. Um, man, no, I don't have anything for that. Anyway, um, (laughs) oh, you're killing me! You're killing me here, Brian. You're killing me. He should introduce Chick Fil A sauce, and um, you know, I think that would be a huge improvement over whatever all you British people are putting on your food, you weirdos. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think, generally speaking, for me, uh, I guess I just thought Conte would be a little bit quicker of a fix um just because and i don't know why i thought it but you know he seemed to after the preseason with chelsea that team seemed to play well to start the season i know it took them time to really click into gear after you know they, they had that arsenal match and then they went on that long run after they switched to the back three and so i just kind of thought we'd see a bigger uptick in like performances and results than we have. And I mean, we've been better, but I, it, I mean, I mean the second half Norwich the and the way is... Norwich is playing under a new manager and it's like, Oh, they're winning matches and they're competitive and they're, you know, doing good things. And it's just like, not, not that we're not competitive, but it's just like, we haven't gone out and dominated a match. We haven't gone out and, and gotten some some really great result. Like, I mean, you know, think about some of the first Mourinho results. Like, we were winning matches, you know, 4-2 and, four, like, we were scoring four or five goals in games. We haven't done that under Conte. Um, I mean, you can see things kind of moving incrementally forward, and I think that's probably, I guess, the line of progression that he is going to have with this team given the way he structures his teams and does his tactics and all that sort of stuff like that that makes sense that that is the progression i just thought it would be a little bit more immediate like we would see an immediate lift i mean the second half of the leads is kind of what you're talking about i mean i i understand it's only a half of football but that's kind of what you're sort of talking about right right and i just think like you know big picture like that's probably the most comprehensive comprehensive good half of football we've played under Conte um you know 
the Everton match wasn't great. Vitesse had its moments. And and then and then Murrah. So I mean we're talking about, you know, four matches at this point. And I I, I don't know. I I mean, like, look, I was really happy that we were able to make changes and adjustments to come out in the second half and be better, which like Ben said, that's that's a completely new territory for us. Um but I just I, I just expected like overall across the board we would make a we would have a bounce that just hasn't really happened. Yeah, I mean I think you know when you point to Conte at Chelsea, it's like he did have a preseason. Like that was absolutely absolutely something that he's been missing. And like yeah, I think the thing I was hoping for was really like a Tuchel at Chelsea where he co- comes in last January and pretty much immediately transforms the team into a team that was went on a very good run to end the season, won the champions league, you know, I, and I think, and I, I want to get ahead of ourselves, but I think one of the things that we're all kind of wrestling with in the wake of the last few weeks is, is Conte capable of turning this team around or are the players really as bad as every other manager we've had has said. And I don't know that that's true yet, but I think, that seems to be where like Spurs fans are right now is this like existential crisis of because we haven't hit the ground running as quickly as we'd hoped. A lot of people are questioning pretty much everybody on the team. Well, Ben, I think that's a great transition into the Murrah match because I think you can look at each of the matches before the Murrah match. And I think you can kind of write them off in terms of it's cut like, Nuno didn't really know what he was doing. This team has had issues for the last three years. Maybe there's less of a foundation than we thought, but Conte's really trying to like figure this thing out on the fly. And I think you can talk yourself into it's just teething issues for the first what three matches of his tenure, four, however many it was, until the Murrah game. The Murrah game is the one where you start thinking, and again, it's not the entire team, but there's some depth issues there where it's like this is a bigger project than we maybe thought it was going to be. Maybe some of these other managers were right about some of these players because we're going to get into this at, at a minimum about this game, regardless of whether or not you think we need to, like, you know, just throw all these guys in the bin. I mean, these guys, we're not ready for that game. Even accounting for Conte hasn't been here for a bit. He hasn't had a lot of time to train them. I mean, none of these guys, very few of these guys in the Murray game, certainly all the, like, the guys we rotated in, were here for the international. They were all here for the international break. They were not on international duty. And they just, at a minimum, they didn't take this game seriously enough. Like, they, they weren't, they did not look prepared in this match. And it is, I don't know if we're eventually going to come to the conclusion that Delhi needs to go. I didn't think he's as abject as other Spurs fans thought he was. Um, but it's just, it's not, it's concerning to see them just have such a little idea of what to do. Well, and I think this kind of problem dates back to um, the Nuno era, especially with, you know, the the, the backups or the, the quote-unquote B team. And I think it was Ben that made this point after we had the, um, I think it was the first Vitesse match where we made like 10 or 11 changes. And, and, and Ben's point was, you know, okay, if you're going to do that, you have to also show these other players in the team that there is a pathway to you know, playing well in Europa League and then being rewarded with minutes in the Premier League, and and you know, so this is the first time that Conte's 
really rotated. I mean, even that first Vitesse game, he played basically the same lineup that he played against Everton and the same, you know, if, if there hadn't been an injury to Romero, the same lineup he would have played against Leeds. Uh, you know, so this is the first time we see, you know, Sessegnon, we see uh, Roden, we see uh, Ndombele in the starting lineup, Deli Alley out there. Um, and, and, and like you said, these guys, I, I don't I don't know if it's, you know, a training issue. I don't know if it's a motivation issue. I don't know what it is, but, you know, like they didn't look up to it. They didn't look prepared. It was disjointed. Um, and I don't know if that's because, you know, they don't see a pathway from, you know, performing against Murrah to getting into the lineup in the Premier League or if they just aren't that good or, or, or what the case may be. But it's just... I mean, it, it was it was a very flat performance against probably the worst team we're going to play all year, you know, absent a, a weird FA Cup draw. I mean, but what's so disconcerting about it, and I'm going to pick on a player that probably doesn't deserve it like some other players do here, but you look at Sessegnon, who Conte and other Spurs players had spent the week kind of bigging up and talking about what an opportunity it was. I think they even picked Sessegnon to do the press conference before the game, and you know, he like the first foul is a tactical foul. Second foul is just a bad decision. So that's different than just not looking up for it for ninety minutes, like some of these other guys did. But it's just what what it is endemic of is you have a lot of players with an opportunity here. And I think, at least to me, it looked like the club was sending signals out throughout the week that this is your chance to really make a mark. And we are looking at this game you know, with some, you know, with your future in mind. It didn't, you know, this isn't going to be like Nuno. And, you know, it was a more of a mixed starting 11 than we saw under Nuno. It wasn't just the B-teamers. But no one looked like they were ready to seize this opportunity. I, I think, you know, Ndombele has gotten a lot of compliments from this. I don't think he was bad, but I think he's just sort of like, you know, he was he was the least bad, I think. And I'm, I'm not trying to criticize him. I, I just don't think his showing was all that stellar. It was just everybody else was so bad too. It's, you know, we had a lot of players, including Ndombele in this match, who this should be an opportunity, notwithstanding, you know, I mean, you know, the fact that, okay, we're learning a new system and all this. This is your opportunity to get your ass back in the first team or get Premier League minutes. And no one took it. Literally, I can't think of a single person in this game. I felt good about their performance. It was just less bad for some of these guys. I mean, you know, you mentioned Sessegnon. I think the one saving grace for everybody is that we got a red card in the 30th minute. Everybody played a man down for a long time. Like, that's not a good situation to showcase anything. It's hard to play a man down, even against a bad team. Even then, we still created a number of good chances and, like, could have and maybe should have won the game or at least taken a point. Um, but I think... You know, it's telling that when Conte made four changes at shortly after halftime, they were the fringiest of fringe players um, who, you know, are clearly, regardless of their performance today, not trusted to see this over the line. You know, Doherty, Delhi, Brian, and Roden all got yanked 10 minutes into the second half. And those are guys who haven't had much of a look, didn't do themselves any favors on the day. And you know, and I think until Conte gets the first team going into some semblance of like co cohesiveness, um, I'd be very surprised to see them integrated again. Like that, it's a level of ruthlessness that like I was not happy with 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 Jose, 
Um, but at this point, I think we got to stop the bleeding and some level of ruthlessness is probably necessary to get things humming again. Greg, you're muted. Brian, do you want do you want to say anything about that? <laughs> Damn well, it. you know, I I want to keep my powder dry just in case because I may still be muted later in the show. So Thank I just want you to remember that I didn't say anything this time, Greg, <laughs> and I hope you'll consider that for later on. Well, as we know, the wheel of time always turns. But anyway, um, but Ben, I think you hit on something there that we've all talked about in some form or fashion since Conte's coming. One of the problems we like when Mourinho had that sort of ruthlessness about him was like. You just had no idea where it was coming from. Is this a weird personal agenda? Is he trying to prove a point to Daniel Levy? Is he trying to prove a point in the media? Is he just feuding with the players? We didn't know. I am reasonably confident that, and I'm, I'm just pulling Delhi's name out of a hat here. If he just sends Delhi to the bench at some point, whether it's now or later, if that happens, I am confident that is because Antonio Conte thinks Delhi Alley's not good enough for one reason or another. And it's not because he thinks Delhi needs to have like, a haircut you could set your watch to or whatever bothered Mourinho about him. And it's, I think you're right, Ben. There's also just like enough's enough with some of these guys and it's time for a level of ruthlessness. But Delhi is also, you know, the problem with Delhi isn't a lot of Spurs fans have, I thought unfairly sort of zeroed in on him for being bad. And I know Nathan uh, Clark has talked a lot about how Delhi had a good game. I don't think it was a bad game, but like what you want to see in a match like this, and I understand it's a team sport and it's hard to do things by yourself, but against a team like Murrah, you want to see Delhi like stand out. You want to see him putting guys on skates, creating opportun- scoring opportunities, and I just don't think he did enough of that, especially for a guy who's got to like, hey man, you want to be in the first team of a team, first team of a team that's trying to get the Champions League or not? Because you know, for one reason or another, it's been bad for a while for Delhi, and it it it's. I think for those of us who are kind of rooting for him and would like to see him back at his best, it's rough to see him squander opportunities like this against competition like this. Well, and I think the reason Delhi maybe doesn't get a pass that people like you know Brian or um, Roden get are is because we've seen Delhi Alley be you know one of the best players in the Premier League. We've seen Deli Alley perform at the the absolute top level. And and then we have seen kind of the fall from grace. And, you know, we've been asking the question for the last two or three years, like, why isn't this working like it used to work? And we don't we we don't have a real answer for it. I don't I, I don't I don't think, you know, we've ever been able to put a finger on it. I don't think any managers have been able to put a finger on it. I mean, Jose tried in the, in the, uh, all or nothing documentary where he's like, you don't try hard in training. Um, but, I, but I don't know that that's it. I, I, I just, I, I don't know what Delhi's deal is. I don't know if it's tactical. I don't know if it's mental. I don't know if it's physical. Um, but, but he's just not where he was. And, and because he was at such a high level, we scrutinize him so much more than we do with players that we're like hoping can take that jump. It's why, you know, Sessegnon gets a pass for a red card, but if that had been Deli Alley, we'd all be, you know, Oh, I never want to see him in a Spurs kid again. Like he's an embarrassment. Da, 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 da. It's why, you know, Roden gets a pass. It's why, it's why, um, you know, uh, 
Steven Bergvine, when he doesn't have good matches, gets passes. Cause we're like, oh, he they, they can get better. They can improve. And Deli Alley, we're seeing on the decline. And, and so it, it's it's frustrating as a fan. And and obviously, you know, Nathan is probably Nathan Clark from the Extra Inch probably has a lot more insight than a lot more Y Scout watching than I have because um, I've done zero. So by default, he's done more. Um, but like if, if he says Deli was good, OK, but like you said, Greg, it wasn't it wasn't the sort of dominating performance that you want or it wasn't the hey, look at me. I'm here. You need to start picking me type of performance that you expect from guys that are on the fringes like no one no, you know you want guys that when they're in the game like this to to step up and and demand the ball demand opportunities create things and no one did that you know there were like nice moves i mean if you look at you know like i don't think indomble had a bad match i don't think delhi had the match people are talking about you can isolate good things but again, this is the conversation on the extra inch. It didn't look like they were linking. It didn't look like they were connecting with each other. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's just a product of he's been here for a week and he's still implementing his system. Even accounting for that, I think, yeah, God, it just it's it's got to look better against a team like Murrah. Like you know, I'm at least willing to accept in his first week against Everton that it's going to be a little rough. You know, because he's been here for three days and Everton, at a minimum, are a Premier League team who's had a preseason with their manager. But, like, Murrug, like, guys, you got to do better than that. And I understand the red card played a lot of, you know, like like you said, Ben, it, it, it didn't make this an easy match to evaluate players in. But, you know, I mean, they just did not take this seriously, it felt like, at least at the beginning of the match. I mean, you know, it's also hard. Like, when you throw a team of fringe players together who don't play together with any kind of regularity to expect them to, like, be on any kind of wavelength. And... You know, that's kind of what's been happening in this conference league is it's always this like weird leftovers team with like plus Harry Kane or plus Hoybeard, you know, and it's like it's there's no continuity, there's no cohesiveness just inherently in what that lineup looks like. And, you know, you maybe take our normal eleven and replace Lucas with Brian Heal, and maybe Brian looks really good. Um and you know, those are the kinds of opportunities that like no one's really getting. But no one's really earning at the moment, <laughs> um, yeah. at least. And I think, I guess what's what's really odd to me is that before the Burnley match got canceled, we did see the lineup. And it was straight back to what he'd rolled out for the rest of the matches, except this time, instead of um, Romero, we saw Davinson Sanchez, who, if there's anybody who did themselves very little favors during this match... I would say it was Davinson Sanchez who was at fault for both goals, at least in part. Um, I think Davis really fucked up the the second goal, but Davinson did not cover himself in glory defending that break. Um, and he was still given a chance, you know, for the weekend. Obviously, you know, Roden and Tanga, Ganga are what they are, and Sanchez at least has, like, a lot more experience. But while I don't ever want to see Devin Sanchez play for Spurs again, it's kind of encouraging to see that Conte gave him another shot and saw enough there that was worth something. Like, man, I, I gotta say, if there's anyone from that match, if there's anyone from that match, I'm ready to chuck out the window. And I understand we got injuries and there's only so much you could do, but it's like I would have put Roden in over Sanchez again. Like, I never want to see that guy play for Spurs. He's so bad. He's just. 
he's been here for too long. He's too old. He's playing at an international level too. I mean, there's no, there's just no excuses for for Sanchez to to me at this point. I I am so over him. Like I, of all the players that I'm out on, that that people are out on, he's the one that I'm just like I, I'm through. I'm finished. I mean, I, I think we need to get rid of center. I think we need to bring in center backs, and I think him sliding down to the bottom of the order is like the first thing that needs to happen in January. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't disagree. <laughs> I mean, I, I am not Davinson Sanchez's number one fan by any means. Um, but yeah, I don't know what it says about Tanganga and Roden's performances that he was the guy who was tapped to plug that hole. Um, Roden is, I mean, Tanganga at least has issues being on the ball, and I kind of understand why he might not fit in Conte's system. But Roden is like, man, I, I know I've said this on the show before. I don't know what it is, but managers do not like that guy. Even he keeps playing for Wales, so I mean, because he gets performances that are like maybe a little underwhelming, but like I don't see, I don't understand why he just spends months on the bench, but he does. So. Yeah, I don't know. I, it, it's it's concerning that we're on what manager number three that seems rodent skeptical. Um, it's weird. I mean, just because, especially when he has played, he's seemed fine and totally not out of his depth. Like in some kind of the 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 back end of the Mourinho uh, time, he he seemed fine. Um, you know he. I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't seen him have horrible games for Spurs the way, you know, we've seen, like, you know, Tanganga against Crystal Palace or Davinson Sanchez or... Or Dyer. Or Dyer or one point. Dyer's a guy I think has a right to be in the team, but, like, he's had some... I mean, he's had some very, very bad games for us over the last few years. Yeah. I, I just... I, I don't know. I, it, it's interesting. Um... Maybe he's just not good, and we and we don't see it, or we don't know why. But I, I I'm like you. I, I would much rather see him out there than than somebody else. To me, what this game really revealed is I, I just think it was so much worse under Nuno, and to a lesser extent Mourinho, than we had any idea. I mean, you could just see the way these guys who aren't first eleven players aren't prepared, and I don't know if it's down to their quality or. I think on some level it's just down to the way they were handled and, you know, trained this season. But I just think, I think Nuno did a worse job at Spurs than we thought, which is saying something, I think. Yeah, I mean, the fact that none of these guys seem ready to play football. Again, I think Ndombele had, if anybody had a standout match, it was him and and Kane, Um, you know, but most of these guys look like they haven't been regulars in a team and it shows. And it shouldn't show that much. And, you know, I, I think we sound a little bit down or negative or whatever about Spurs in general and, and maybe about Conte too. And and maybe that all would have been fixed by the first team getting a run out against Burnley and maybe we would have smashed Burnley in the snow and it wouldn't have mattered and you know, the Murrah match would have been an afterthought. Um, but we didn't get that, so... so I think up until the Murrah match, there's... Now. I think up until the Murrah match, there's a lot to feel good about. Like, to be honest with you. Like, 
I think, you know, it's not maybe as radical as this, as it was, as we would have hoped, like too cool at Chelsea, but like, you know, I think there was just a better foundation at Chelsea. I think Nuno didn't know what he was doing. I think he didn't know how to train all the players on the team. I think he barely knew how to train the first 11. And it's just, you know, I think Conte might've had a bigger job to do than we all thought. And we all thought he had a pretty big job to do in the first place. That said, I think he'll do it. I think he's excellent. What did, I mean, what did you guys think of his quotes after the Murrah match where he says, oh, now I kind of see, like, the extent of this project. Or, like, like I thought that was odd because how did you take this job not knowing, you know, at, at least having some grasp of the scope of what was being? Or, or well, do you think it's more like posturing, like, for Daniel Levy? I think he's sending a message to those players, honestly. I mean, maybe Daniel Levy, too. But I think he's sending a message to those players, like, this was awful, guys. Like, I'm going to replace you if it doesn't get better. I mean, I think the thing that, you know, I take positively from this is, like, Conte recognized his starting lineup very quickly and stuck with it. And in this match, when things got tough, he brought on his guys. You know, whatever we think of... Ben Davis and Lucas Mora, Dyer, you know, but like those are the guys he turned to when we needed a change and we got better. Again, we got better as the game progressed. We started creating good opportunities and, you know, I mean, Lucas had a great through ball for Kane's goal. He had another couple other like really nice moments. Um, you know, I think the, the thing that Conte is recognizing is every year we kind of get excited about like, look at our fantastic depth. We have all of these options. And every year we kind of realize like, Oh, all of our options are bad. Um, But, you know, I think he, again, you look at the Burnley lineup and it's like, he went right back to that same core of guys. And I think he, feels like this is who he can persist with and everybody outside that has work to do um, or is maybe a lost cause. But I don't think, you know, we're that surprised by that. I mean, you know, Brian is still a work in progress. Matt Doherty is a joke. Um, Delhi, you know, fell down the Ozzie Smith hole in Springfield. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, just a lot of these guys are just not ready for prime time. And this isn't news to anybody who's watched this game. Um, you know, I think by the end of the season, if he hasn't managed to bring through guys like Ndombele, Los Celso, Delhi, at least one or a couple of these guys and figured out how to work those in, I'm going to be more concerned. But at this stage, like if he's like, has his 11 guys that he can build something out of. I mean, that's got to be step one. Get that first team into a fighting shape of a, a, a unit that plays a cohesive form of football and then sort out the rest of the squad. And, you know, it sucks to be back here again saying we need a, you know to retool the whole 25-man lineup. But I mean, I feel better about doing it with like a real coach in charge of everything. And we're not just, you know, I presume we're going to have a little bit more structure to the process this time. Uh, Looking forward to the European Conference League. Brian, would you rather progress or would you just get the, would you like to get those extra dates back and like with, with, for Conte can just train? 
I mean, getting eliminated in a conference league group that includes Vitesse, Ren, <laughs> and Mura is is not ideal. Um, hey, Ren are second place in Liga right now, Brian. I thought you were our Liga expert. No, that that they're the only other good team in the group, um, other than Mura, obviously, who are amazing. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I just so. The answer is, is I think ultimately I will be less bothered about not progressing if not progressing means that we show more progress in the league. If we continue to play kind of like it's it's going to be one of those like results based things like the I'm I'm gonna operate off of hindsight and be like, see us going out in the Europa Conference League group stage set the stage for us to go on a 13 match unbeaten run in the Premier League, um, and if we don't do that, I'll be disappointed. Um, I would I would I would prefer to stay in all the knockout competitions as long as possible, because um, you know I I would like to defeat Jose Mourinho's Roma in you know the semifinal of the Europa Conference League, but. We don't look capable of doing that right now. So I, I don't know. I, 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 I'm I torn. I don't really care. One way or the other. It doesn't matter. It's going to be embarrassing to get knocked out. It's <laughs> like that I don't want to live with. I don't want to hear other people making fun of us. We've already been mocked ruthlessly for being in this competition. Failing to get out of the group stage is going to be rightfully merciless. And I don't want to hear that. Um, and like, you know, as the announcers pointed out during this game, like this is a competition spurs should be thinking about winning you know in terms of like the quality of teams in this competition it's like us and roma <laughs> that and not even roma. like say what you want about spurs we haven't gotten waxed 6-1 by anybody so right, we're both terrible so like yeah it's easy to not take this seriously and maybe we shouldn't be but I mean, as a neutral, like, I very much like the idea of Spurs not progressing in this just because, like, wouldn't it be cool if somebody other than some of the big teams won a European trophy? Like, I'm not saying that Murray are going to win this, but, like, I don't know. Like, if... Wouldn't it be cool if we won a European trophy? <laughs> no, yeah, that would be cool, too, obviously. But, like, you know, wouldn't it be interesting if Ren had a European trophy or if, you know... Uh, you know, I don't know who else is in the conference league that's actually good, but like, Roma. you know, n- n- yeah, but not them because Jose Mourinho, um, you know, like it would be nice for some non-traditional European side to win a European trophy, um, you know, whether that's, I don't know, Bodo Glimpt or Ghent or, or whatever, I don't know, um, I think that would be much more interesting than a, like a Roma Spurs final or, uh, you know, whoever drops down from the Europa League final. Um, I, I think that would be good for football. But yeah, like Ben said, like good for us getting made fun of on Twitter. No, that wouldn't be good. Yeah, getting getting made fun of for this result by Arsenal fans who aren't even in Europe this year was a little stuck in my craw a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, they didn't even qualify for it. Yeah, which, ben, tell tell your wife to stay off Twitter after we lose. By the way, in an unrelated comment. So. Oh, yeah. 
moving on, uh, since we're done with the European Conference League, we do have a few pieces of news to digest. Uh, our, our director of football uh, is embroiled in an Italian legal scandal. I don't know what, what else we expected when we hired someone who was running Juventus, but uh, apparently they're getting dinged for their uh, player trading shenanigans uh, that they were using to balance the books. Apparently they might have lied to some shareholders, so that's fun. Uh, I, I don't know. It looks like you can't go to Italy, which I think, you know, COVID has probably made difficult anyway, but I don't foresee this. Uh, you know, you two are both lawyers. I don't, I don't, I don't foresee this causing any major problems for Spurs. Do you? Only if he goes to Italy. <laughs> Where he has to do most of his business to deal with all of his contacts and sign all the players he wants to sign. Yeah. As long as he doesn't go there. I mean, they call them from Olive Garden or something, you know? What what's the British equivalent of Olive Garden? There's got to be something, right? Pizza Hut, Pizza Hut, maybe. Yeah, they definitely have Pizza Hut in in, in England. Um, let's, let's reach out and tell us what the Olive Garden equivalent is. That's casual <laughs> yeah. Italian food. Where if you yeah. go there, your family. Yeah, and do they have unlimited soup, salad, and breadsticks? Yeah, what is the British equivalent of unlimited breadsticks? Is it like? I don't know. Do they unlimited keep... breadsticks? Yeah, but but it's but it's cookies or something. I don't know. Based on watching Bake Off, I feel like British people look down on breadsticks. Um, because this season they were all very skeptical, like who eats breadsticks? And I was like, uh, everyone <laughs> eats breadsticks. What are you talking about? Nobody eats breadsticks. Why would you eat a breadstick? Why would you ever eat a breadstick? Because why wouldn't you eat a breadstick? Because you're 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 at Olive Garden where you're where you're when you're there it's family fan and they're off. If family offers you a breadstick, are you going to turn them down? If you're Nona, puts a breadstick on the table and is like, "These are unlimited. You can have as many of these as you want." Are you going to turn your sweet sweet Nona down? My Nona would never put a breadstick in front of me. She'd give me like a nice focaccia. All right, well, you're known as a lot nicer than mine. <laughs> Only because yeah. she thinks uh, you're your brother. So, anyway. <laughs> um, our next our next uh, major news item is uh, Steven Bergvine uh, is being linked with a return to Ajax. I, I mean, what would not you... Not a return. That you, or not a return. A return in the Netherlands at Ajax. That, thank you, Brian. Um would you? Uh, I don't know. Would you part ways with uh, old Stevie B? Ben's uh, full the fullback that was promised. Yeah, I mean, I'm all. I think we're all rooting for old Steve to turn things around and like deliver on that glimmer of promise we've seen. But he's getting older. He hasn't done it yet. We don't have, you know, a Delhi situation where like we can at least hope on him returning to a version of him that we've seen that like we know is good at this point, if we can recoup anything and like plow that into some other winger who's a few years younger and who also might be as good as Steven Bergvine. Like, I think that's reasonable business. I mean, on the one hand, he's been hurt a lot since Conte got, apparently Conte's only talked to him twice since he got to Spurs. That might be because he's been on international duty or hurt, or it might be because Conte thinks he sucks. I don't, I have no idea, but. Once again, this is one of those, if Conte doesn't want him around here, I'm fine getting rid of him. If Conte thinks he can, you know, whip him into shape, I'm fine with that, too. I mean, at this point, if Conte sells anybody, that's Conte's prerogative. Like, that's what he's here for. And... Yeah, if the, yeah match I... didn't, if the Murrah match didn't teach you that it's time to kill your darlings, I don't know what will, so... 
Yeah, and I mean, look, if we're, you know, going to shed the salary and, you know, get some money back, presumably we're not going to get back what we paid for him. But, you know, if we're going to get something from it, then it's something that goes into the pot to get a player that maybe Conte actually wants or can actually use. And, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe we'll sign Brozovic or DeVry or They're too Ashley old. Young. They're too old. We only want young youngins, according to the news. The money's Italian... just going to go to bail fund. That's really all it's there for. Oh, so, yeah, we have some questions because we want to talk about Murrah for night for 60 minutes this week. Um, Let's see. Where do we start? Uh, will this be Will this be another year? This is from Ian. He wants to know, will this be another year where we stumble in a domestic cup semifinal, raise hopes irresponsibly, and then fail miserably? Yes. I mean, that's just what we do, right? Yeah, isn't it? I mean, you know, I, like we did that I under Pochettino, I mean, let alone Mourinho. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, stumbling into things that raise our hopes, whether it's semifinals or finals, or that's just kind of how it goes, right? I mean, that's the only way Spurs get get anywhere close to a final is stumbling into it. So, yeah, I mean, look, I'll I will take stumbling into a near trophy situation and blowing it over not stumbling there in the first place. So if we still show we can, we can, we have that at our core, that ability to stumble ass backwards into an undeserved shot at a trophy, I will feel good about Tottenham Hotspur. What we need to do is perfect, you know, kind of what Arsenal's been doing, which is stumbling ass backwards into actually winning trophies. Um, you know, in, in the FA Cup for the last, I don't know what, like 10 years. Yeah, if we're going to be mediocre, um, like we might as well, we might as well have something to show for it. Yeah. Uh, then maybe we can hear a few less jokes about our trophy cabinet. Just a few. Uh, anonymous troll, who I'm assuming is Willie, uh, wants to know, uh, basically, are you concerned about Son fitting into Conte's uh, two formation, the 3-4-3 or the 3-5-2? I am, well, maybe these are the ideal situations for Sonny. I, I am generally not, like, I, I trust between him and Conte, they're going to figure it out. I mean, he and Kane get along really well. Like, I, I think this is something that they'll, find a way to make it work yeah i mean like the thing about son is he's very good and the thing about conte is he very recently played a two-man striker formation of of lukaku and lataro martinez and i don't see any reason why son and kane can't replicate that given as recently as last season they were a very effective strike partnership playing essentially as a two-man front two so i think that is the one spot that is the least of our concerns right now. It's really everywhere else. That's a problem. Yeah, I absolutely. And, and I think the other thing is, is that Conte has shown, you know, while he is committed to, you know, a certain style of play and assistant, a certain tactical system, like that there is flexibility within that. Like he, he is open, like the system that he played at Chelsea is not what he did at Inter and is not what he did at Juventus, not what he did with Italy. Like, so if he can figure out what a role is that gets the best out of Sun, he will recognize that Sun is one of his best players and find a way to make it work. Um, I, and I, you know, more so than any of our prior managers, I have faith in his ability to do that. Um, this one comes from Adam. Does the continued funneling of coaching talents such as Ralph Ragnick and more TV money um, to the Premier League and the lack of open seats at bigger clubs 
bode well for Conte staying put at Spurs for longer than previous stops. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I think it all depends. It's not like those big jobs don't like, you know, it's not like Real Madrid or Bayern Munich don't fire their manager every couple of years. So I wouldn't count on that, but Ben, what do you think? I mean, I think there's something to be said for the fact that the Premier League is increasingly rich and more Super League-like every season, and that you have very good managers, you know, across the league and deeper than those, like, top six teams. Um, And more and more of the desirable jobs in world football are in the Premier League. You know, it's it's made the world of of attractive coaching positions outside the Premier League much smaller. Um, So, yeah, while there are always going to be Real Madrid, PSG, Bayern Munich, and possibly Barcelona, um, you know, I think it's less likely that he's going to, like, pull up sticks and go to, you know, a a second-tier team in one of those other leagues. So, I mean, I think opportunity for longevity here. Part of why he came here was United just flat out didn't want him. It wasn't a matter of the job wasn't open. They just said, like, we think you're too big of a pain in the ass and we don't want you here. I don't know how long Conte is going to stay. He is not a long-termist, but, you know, I, I'm not worried about him leaving in any time soon. I think For another the thing job, Con- at least. Yeah, I, I think the thing that with Conte is, is, like, it's not, you know, how long will he stay before he leaves for a better job. It's how long will he stay before we're like, all right, buddy, get the fuck out. Like, you know, it, it's going to be him feuding with Daniel Levy. It's going to be him um, uh, having conflict with people behind the scenes. That That is the end of this. Um, you know, look, the, the top teams, like you guys already identified, there's turnover there all the time. Uh, you know, Real Madrid, Barcelona in a state of flux. Who knows how much longer Pochettino is going to be at PSG. Ragnick's only a six-month solution right now at, at Manchester United. Pep is maybe coming to the end of his cycle at um, at, at Manchester City. Um, Tuchel tends to fall out with backroom staff as, you know, as well, um, in the same way that Conte does. Uh, you know, th- there's... There's any number of possibilities of things that can happen for some of the big jobs at the big clubs over the next six months, over the next year, over the next two years. And, you know, I I don't know that necessarily there are other jobs other than like United or Juventus um, that are great fits for Conte. Um, But there's always going to be those opportunities. Uh, So I don't think, you know, I, I, I don't think anything has changed how long he's going to be here yet. Um, next, yeah. Go ahead, Ben. Sorry. I just said, you know, it's going to come down to as long as we can keep giving him what he wants and the resources he needs that, and like things are going well on the pitch, like he'll stick around. You know, the thing about Inter was they were not able or willing to do that. And it soured overnight. Um, with a with a team that seemed like, you know, he had just won the league. It was a very good fit um, for a time. And I think there's just increasingly few teams who are capable of giving Conte those things. And I don't know if we're one of them. Um, I don't know, like, Daniel Levy has not been super willing to uh, 
back managers to like absurd degrees, but if it's going well, I don't see any reason why that would be a problem until suddenly it is. I mean, we've had reporting that Conte, it was made very clear to Conte what we can and cannot do financially um, when he came in here. And, you know, my guess is on some level that's more positive than Spurs fans would think because I think now that fans are back in the stadium and they're having events at the stadium, like boxing matches in the NFL, like the money spigot's back on. And it's probably only going to get more or so is like things like, you know, the beer that fills up from the bottom returns and stuff like that. So I think that that's an element of why we were able to get Conte is we felt more secure in our finances than we did earlier in the year. But yeah, I think Brian nailed it. It's like, how long can spur, how long can that like happy relationship behind the scenes continue? Because Conte is a guy who falls out for one reason or another with club ownership and, you know, we are typically not the easiest, have, have the easiest behind the scenes structure, even if what we're dealing with now is a lot different than what we've dealt with in the past. So we'll see. Um, I, I, this is like a long term marriage. Like, that's just not on the cards. It's not going to be our, our Ferguson or our Banger. I mean, Pochettino. Pochettino wasn't our Ferguson or Banger, and we all thought that was going to happen. At least I thought it was going to happen. So, um, yeah, I wouldn't count on that. Could we get like five really productive years with some silverware out of him? Like, I think we'd all be very thrilled with that if that's what ended up happening. That would be pretty long for Conte, to be honest with you. So, uh, Ben, this is from Kevin Borland. You're the only one who can speak to this, but I'm going to indulge you. Uh, Got to hear any Spurs uh, player or staff as succession characters. Uh, I'm going to give you like a minute to just do, go nuts on this. Wait, you guys don't watch Succession? No. You? No, no, no. Why? Well, look. Here's the thing: is I don't have four or five hours to commit to a show before it gets good. Like it should be good at the beginning. Except Wheel of Time, that's different, um, obviously. Um, but it should be good right away. Basically, yeah, well, Wheel of Time and... is genre trash. There's a little bit of a di- like you you have lower expectations for a show like that. Sure, 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 sure. Um, and also just. Everybody keeps saying all these people are horrible. They're pieces of shit. Nobody likes them. I'm really tired of that kind of TV. Like, you know. We watch Tottenham every week. Yeah, I know. Don't I? Isn't that enough of my time devoted to that sort of thing? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I couldn't get through. It was like watching Arrested Development without the comedy. It was just like, boy, these are some awful people. I, I'm not, like, you know, I got four episodes in and was just like, this is not good. I can't deal with this. Like... Yeah, why would I watch Succession when and I And then everyone who talks about it on Twitter is really annoying. So, like, it's not making me really want to, like, dive back in. He talks about everything on Twitter. Yeah, annoying. exactly. Twitter... Uh, well, Succession's great. You should watch it. it. It's good from the beginning. It just gets better as it goes on. Um, I guess to answer the question, the only, I think, obvious one, I would say Harry Kane is Kendall, who thinks he's a lot smarter than he is and tries to shoot his shot, uh, and it does not work out. And despite everything, is probably going to keep thinking he's like a, a, a big, clever boy and uh, will, will be revealed to not be, uh, no, no matter what he tries. Well, on that note, uh, who will do – here's a depressing question. Uh, Hector C. wants to know, who will do better, Conte's Harry Kane or Mourinho's Kane? That is – Kind of depressing if you think about it. I think maybe Mourinho's Kane 
but his team might do a lot better than Mourinho's Tottenham. So, yeah, I mean, Mourinho Harry Kane was won the Golden Boot and whatever they called the most assists award. Um, like, that's nuts. Like, that's a really good season for an individual. Um, I don't. The the version of Harry Kane we see right now is is not going to do either of those things. Um, so so yeah, Mourinho's Kane for sure. I mean, I think Conte's Kane this season is already just there's just no chance of that happening. But if Kane sticks around for another year and Conte gets this team playing well, I don't think it'd be insane for Harry Kane to have another year like that left in him. But I don't think it's necessarily likely that we're going to get that back. But we all know that we're just going to sell Harry Kane to Manchester City this summer, and we're going to buy whoever the next great football manager wonder kid is. The that kid from uh, Red Bull Leipzig, or not Red Bull, like RB Leipzig. Sorry, uh, he's apparently very good. Don't help them pretend that their name isn't Red Bull. <laughs> Russ and Ball Sport Leipzig. Uh, this question comes from Eric Cromwell. That's Eric with an H. Uh, he wants to know who on the squad is still eating ketchup and how can Ben Davies stop them? Who, <laughs> like who's, who's sneaking ketchup in the, in the, in the loo is the British would say who who's in the bathroom taking hits of ketchup in the middle of training. I mean, obviously Deli Alley. And Dombele. Um, I think him and Ndombele are just huffing, huffing packs of ketchup I, between trading sessions. I think sessions. it's neither of them. I think, look, the thing that I learned when I... Mean, I it looks when like first, Eric Dyer is. Well, the thing that I learned about ketchup and, and English people is that they're insane. Good. And it's like they seem to put ketchup on everything. Like You and I, as Americans, are putting ketchup on like French fries, hamburgers... Maybe a hot dog if you're not from Chicago. Like, there are certain categories of food that have ketchup on them. And, like, that's it. The thing about people in England is, like, everything tastes bad. And the only flavor they have is ketchup. So they just add it to anything. And I, I didn't know what to do with this information. Like, people are, like, putting ketchup in pasta as, like, spaghetti sauce. Like, this is this is a a particular thing to a broken people, you know. So Tangi and Dombele is is French. He is not eating like fucking Yorkshire pudding with ketchup on ketchup on top. <laughs> He's not eating like boiled turnips with ketchup on top. Like I imagine you cannot come out of France without like a some level of sophisticated palate, or at least so, just like put, putting replacing ketchup with butter in this in the, in this. Analogy. Yeah, like I'm sure eating like fucking flaky pastries with like a pound of butter in them, that's fine. That is like that's not banned, you know. And Delhi, I think, has has pretensions towards you know eating sushi. And He's just, got an Avengers tattoo. He doesn't have pretensions. He has a Stewie Look, Griffin Del- tattoo. <laughs> Deli made beans on toast for the first time like two years ago. All, all the is, more reason to believe that his palate tends towards ketchup. I I think he was like slumming it in like the world of like what his buddy Eric Dyer is is telling him is is good old fashioned English cuisine. Are you I telling me it, that French New Wave cinema fan Eric Dyer is not <laughs> into 
various other dipping sauces. Like he is committed. Aioli. He's he big in Aioli. Portugal. Yeah. Like what are they? What are they using Portugal, Ben? And Eric Tire is. Uh, yeah, you got me there. The uh, gourmand that we might think he is. Yeah, I mean, I think the real answer is probably like Ben Davis. You know, it's, it's so the- how how does Ben Davis stop himself from eating ketchup? And I, I don't know. Presumably by putting the ketchup in on goal and. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that wasn't funny, but it was. But. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll tell you who's yeah, definitely right. like eating ketchup is Charlie Kane. He's like inviting girls over to his apartment, which has like a motorcycle in the room there too for some reason. And he's just like spreading it across <laughs> that oil slick on his desk. No, he has, like, I took it all he from like, Spurs Lodge, and now look what I can do with it. He has martini glasses. He's just like filling the martini glasses Swirling with ketchup. The olives and ketchup. And then just mwah, off the toothpick. Yeah, that's Charlie Kane. So, sure. With a ketchup rim. He just dips it elegantly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Found yeah, a ketchup on his desk. Would you like that's a ketchup? Would you like a ketchup TD? Would you would you like me to cover the rim in ketchup? Jesus. This is a Heinz fifty seven. It's a age fifty seven years. This is this is what we call the Heinz red zone in our house. <laughs> This is a this is a well liquor. This is a, this is Hunts, and uh, this is a best choice ketchup. Um, you know, personally, I prefer catsup. We have an artisanal tomato chutney here. Fucking throw that in the trash. Yeah, the high household. <laughs> oh, oh, this is. This war got a lot more mileage out of that one than we thought we would. I don't think we're improving on that. I'm just going to end the questions there. I was going to try and get some SEC questions in for you guys, but I don't think we're improving on Charlie Kane throwing tomato chutney in the trash. Um, (laughs) Ben, where can people find you on the internet talking about ketchup? Uh, You can find me on Twitter at ketchup, you spurs. (laughs) Thank you. Cats up, you spurs. Uh, Brian, where can people find you on the internet? Talking about cats you can find, Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Brian underscore Ashlock. That is Brian with a Y. You can find me talking about uh, hot ketchup takes on my Twitter feed at Skipjack0079. Uh, for uh, Ben, for Brian, for Brett Rainbow, and of course for the Heinz uh, uh, ketchup company. I don't know, tomato company? I don't know what their actual full name is, but for them too, I've been your host, Greg. Come on, you Spurs.